Last year, the Gophers went into East Lansing and whooped down on the Spartans. Can it happen again at Huntington Bank? Hey, you are no locked happens, on Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden out, Gophers. Whatever turns out, we're going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. You're listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kane Robb, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week, Monday through Friday. Now, we've been kicking off our Behind Enemy Line series yesterday. We talked about Iowa, and to put it quite simply, people did not care to learn about Iowa. Probably the least amount of views we've gotten from any of the opponent schedules, and I get it because we hate Iowa. So why would we want to talk about those Hawkeyes? Well, today we're covering Michigan State, and it should be a good one after last year's surprising victory that put the whole nation on notice. Now, Michigan State went on to be a pretty mediocre team, but should the Gophers have this one in the bag in 2023, we're going to talk about the changes Michigan State has made in the make or break for the Gophers heading into the 2023 season. But before we do that, we're going to talk about Tyler Bride in the cornerback room because I think we could have a real strength that we thought was a weakness in that cornerback room. So we're going to dive into that. Be sure to hit subscribe over on YouTube to make sure you're tapping in with the podcast each and every day. We're almost done with our Behind the Enemy Line series. And once we finish that up, we are going to move into a breakdown of the depth chart. Every single position group, we're going to talk about a main storyline, the projected depth chart, and how they rank across the Big Ten. If you want that and more, hit subscribe on YouTube. Follow the podcast wherever you get them on all audio platforms at Locked On Golden Gophers. Now, let's talk about this cornerback room because it seems like Tyler Bride has been impressing early in the camp stages right now. And I would not be surprised to see him lined up across from Justin Wally as the other cornerback on the outside. Now, a quick refresh on Tyler Bride. He is a transfer from Georgia Southern. He played in all 13 games last year, 463 snaps on the outside and 159 in the slot. So he's got some versatility to him. You can move him around if need be. He can travel. Tyler Bride is a nice pickup, especially a lot of the Gophers pickups have come from maybe the FCS level or the G5 level, but they come because they are fits of the program and they believe they can contribute immediately or fit into the system that they've already got going here. So Joe Rossi was a fan of him. Coach Fleck was a fan of him. He now comes into the Gophers. He has some stats from last year as well. 41 tackles total, 29 solo. He had a fumble recovery, two interceptions, and I believe nine pass breakups. Nine of them. You love to see that. Pat PBU's are hard to come by, but when you're getting close to double digits, that is a good season. If he can continue to have that knack of finding the ball, which we saw not only on his tape at Georgia Southern, but you see it in the stat books, and already you see it in some of the camp uh, videos that are put out there on Twitter right now by the Gophers. So he has a knack for finding the ball, and you see those ball skills featured against Brockington in multiple clips from videos sent yesterday along with an interception. Now he's got two years of eligibility left 
with Minnesota, which is great because it's not something you have to replace right away. You can build some growth, build some chemistry, and run with that again in the next season. And it's not just him who has multiple years of eligibility. The defensive back room could flip from a concern to a strength for this 2023 season. Now, we headed out of spring camp, and we are like, man, this Gophers team – cornerback is the worry can they hold their own do they have any depth how who's going to be a starter the more and more that we're seeing from these transfers coming in after the spring from Tyler Bride from Trayvon Jones uh Zaquan Bryan coming in as a true freshman you've got Evan Redding flipping over to cornerback and then you've got two redshirt freshmen in Rylan Kelly Tariq Watson all these guys when you're not making it so Tariq Watson Rylan Kelly have to start but maybe the only time that you have to put them in that position is when they're ready. It gives you a lot of an advantage and less concern across the room. Now, like I said, if Bride continues to step up, you're looking at him with two years of eligibility left. Justin Wally has two years of eligibility left, barring he doesn't go off and head to the NFL next year. Now, he's got two years of eligibility left, and he is a top 10 returning cornerback in the Big Ten, according to PFF. You've got Jack Henderson transferring in, who has been the talk of the town, one of the uh, diamond in the rough pickups that the Gophers have found in the transfer portal over this offseason. Two years of eligibility left. He graded as a top 10 cornerback in the Big Ten from last year's production. Even though he's coming from the FCS, his PFF grade is one of the best returning in the Big Ten. Tyler Bride, like I said, two years of eligibility. Rylan Kelly, four years of eligibility. Tariq Watson, four years of eligibility. Saquon, Zaquan, wow. I'm over here thinking, listening to the Giants news too much about Saquon Barkley, but Zaquan Bryan has four years of eligibility. And then you've got Evan Redding, Victor Plus, with multiple years of eligibility as well. And the only player that would be exhausted on their eligibility would be Trayvon Jones, the transfer coming in from Elon, who could still be and will still be called upon probably often this season. So not too bad of a turnaround from the spring concerns and being like, wow, we don't have any depth. We don't have any bodies in this room. Like we only have three scholarship players in this room. And it seems like the Gophers have gotten that flipped around. And that is without me even bringing up Craig McDonald, who could be a huge addition to the room if he gets immediately uh, eligible with a waiver that the Gophers have applied for. And Craig McDonald, if he gets that eligibility, I believe has three seasons of eligibility left. So a lot of depth, a lot of talent, and a lot of possibilities in this cornerback room. Now, for a group that was being the concerns in the spring, I'm not going to go all out and say, oh, yeah, it's fixed. It's done because we haven't seen them play. It's, it's not Saturdays. The lights aren't bright. It's not on yet. We won't know how much of a concern it is, this cornerback room, until the lights are on, until snaps matter, until we are playing on Thursday, August 31st, and then Saturdays following that. But Minnesota takes on passing offenses ranked last year 11th in North Carolina. And in a sense, Wisconsin, because Wisconsin brought over Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator from North Carolina. So you already got two pass-heavy teams there. You've got the 14th-ranked Ohio State from last year. You've got the 22nd-ranked Purdue from last year, who brings in Graham Harrell as an offense coordinator who likes to pass the ball. Plus, Michigan could be a top 50 talent in the passing game in that department if they so chose 
to expose that more and not lean so much into the ground game. So I'm cautiously optimistic about these cornerbacks and that they can hold their own. Coach Rossi, Coach Nick Swag, Daddy Monroe, they'll have these guys right on the field, but I am more, more, at least less worried. We'll go with that. Less worried about the cornerbacks not being able to at least hold their own in these games. I think we'll have the depth, we'll have the talent to stay in the games and not be worried about it being the number one weakness of this Gophers team. And then you pair that with a safety room that has is chock full of talent, that has upside both youth and uh, seniors. You've got a guy who's possibly the best free safety in the country, and you pair that with a cornerback room with some experience, some young vets, some, young vets, with some transfer vets and some young guys that show promise. Look, the Gophers secondary is less of a concern heading into the season, but they need to prove it on the field as well. Now, what we're going to talk about next is getting back into our behind the enemy lines. And today we're talking about Michigan State. Michigan State, who got absolutely walloped in East Lansing last season. Can the Gophers do it again in Huntington Bank at home this year? Let's talk about the changes because Michigan State is chock full of changes. Will the changes be enough to take down the Gophers? We're going to talk about that coming up next. First, let's talk about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs because every single day that you need to make a hire for your business, it feels like a high stakes wager and you want to be 100% certain that you have the best access to the best qualified candidates for your position. That's why you need to be over on LinkedIn Jobs. Now, when it comes to anything jobs, whether it be networking, whether it be searching for a new job, whether it be just connecting in general, LinkedIn is the place to be. It is the transfer portal of transfer portals when it comes to finding the right people to fill your job. And that's why you should be over there because you can post about your job for free. That's right. And if it's free, it's me. So you need to head on over to LinkedIn Jobs to find qualified candidates you want to talk to even faster. They've got simple screening tools that you can use, screening questions, make it easy for candidates with the right skills to end experience for you to quickly prioritize. And if you'd like to interview with them, we'll get you there faster. So that's why you need to go to linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to take advantage of your free job post today. All right, Gophers fans, thank you so much for listening to Locked on Golden Gophers. This is the daily show for Gophers fans, the show where we always continue to row no matter what's going on. We break down the good, we break down the bad, we break down how to improve. And I've got great news. Tristan Span Ford is coming back this season with us. We're running it back. We're going to have some great predictions this year, and it is going to be on and popping. So be sure to hit subscribe and be an everydayer. Tap in every day. You'll get all the breakdowns of opponents. You'll get predictions on the games. And I'm even going to do some live after game shows on YouTube. So definitely hit subscribe over on YouTube, follow wherever you get the podcasts at Locked On Golden Gophers and leave a five star review. Tell others about the podcast. We're almost to a thousand subscribers, which we will love to get to here with Gopher Nation. But let's talk about the Spartans. Let's talk about head coach Mel Tucker heading into year four as he heavily relies on the transfer portal, it seems, almost every single year. But he was absolutely ravaged by the transfer portal this offseason as well. And last year, Prior to the offseason, I said I believe Mel Tucker was being overhyped 
There was too much. It's like I'm saying right now on the NFL side of things, the Detroit Lions are a media darling, and I think it's gone a little bit too far. We're acting like this is a Super Bowl team, and I don't think they are. But back to college football, Mel Tucker was being overhyped last year, and folks overcorrected due to one big season where he had an absolute rock star, one of the best running backs in the entire nation. And I feel vindicated, but also shout out to Kenneth Walker, who is an absolute beast. So Mel Tucker has a lot on the line this year as he really struggled, had a huge drop off this past season. Can he get himself off the hot seat or will it get even hotter in the year of 2023? You flip over to his offensive coordinator, Jay Johnson. He was a Broyles nominee in 2021 for one of the best assistant coaches in college football. Now, he's in year four as offensive coordinator, and they obviously have found some success under him in 2021 and the run game opening up things for the passing game, but 2022 did not give the same success, especially from the ground game, and the production was then up and down throughout the year because the run game couldn't really find any success. In fact, they only found success in three games last year, two of them being non-conference opponents and the other being Indiana, another struggling team in the Big Ten. So Jay Johnson and his offense definitely needs a spark of life. Then you flip to defensive coordinator Scotty Hazleton. He's been the defensive coordinator each year with Mel Tucker, and honestly, it hasn't been pretty. Even their success in 2021, going 11-2, and it was mainly generated due to an offense that was dominating and Kenneth Walker, who was tearing it up and not really defensive success, which is surprising because Tucker is a defensive coach and Scotty Hazleton himself had a vast amount of experience as a defensive coordinator. So it's weird how much they've struggled, but they have truly struggled. And we'll dive into that in just a moment. But the impact transfers. Now, we've been doing the impact transfers in for all these schools uh, that we've covered so far, the Gophers opponents. But I need to talk to you not only about the impact transfers in, but the impact transfers out. That is how big Michigan State was hit with the portal this year. Peyton Thorne, the starting quarterback for the past two years, is off to Auburn. You've got Keon Coleman, who was a wide receiver talent, absolute stud, had all the talent in the world, hit the portal, headed to Florida State. Jeff Petrowski, an edge rusher, had some good talent, had some good promise, is headed to Wisconsin. Jeremy Bernard, another wide receiver, headed to Washington. Terry Lockett, we've already covered in our series so far, he transferred out a wide receiver to Eastern Michigan. And then Elijah Collins, the second leading rusher on the team last year, hit the portal to Oklahoma State. And that's just a handful of the guys that are really impact players. But you got impact transfers coming into Elante Brown, wide receiver from Nebraska. Not a whole lot of production, but this wide receiver room clearly needs bodies after all what we've just talked about leaving the program. You've got Jalen Sammy from uh, Colorado, defensive lineman. Nathan Carter, who looks to be a, a figure in the run game that will be important uh, from UConn coming in. Aaron Alexander from UMass coming in, a linebacker. Dre Jones, a defensive lineman from Liberty coming in. Samar Melvin and uh, Jalen Franklin both coming in from Wisconsin. That's a tight end and a cornerback. And then you've got Jarrett Jackson, defensive lineman from Florida State. And then Tumai's Adelai, who is coming from Texas A&M, and he is probably the most impactful transfer they have coming in. He was a four-star rated transfer. And of those, all of those players that I just named, a lot of them will probably be more depth pieces or players that are really fighting to be on the two deep and maybe as a backup. The only one that I really see coming in as a starter from the jump is Adelai from Texas A&M, a defensive line force 
But outside of that, it's a ton of players coming in and a lot of unknown still on how they could produce on the field. So one or two starters and a ton of guys coming in is not something that should put any fear, any worry, any concern into Gophers fans, but also how do you change from a season where you didn't make a bowl game and you don't have a lot of impact players coming in, but you have a lot leaving out? Michigan State should be concerned in this upcoming season, in my opinion. Now, when you're jumping into the offense itself, you've got a quarterback battle, and it's probably one of the deeper battles that could go all the way through the fall with Noah Kim or Caden Hauser. Now, Noah Kim uh, is the backup from last year. Neither one of these quarterbacks has any, not a single game of starting experience. So it's hard to know what you're going to get. But Hauser was a highly recruited pedigree uh, coming out of the 2022 class, it would be. And he redshirted last year, but he was an, he had elite 11 recognition. He was highly touted coming into Michigan State. And surprisingly, it'll be a battle for him as opposed to handing the keys off. But Noah Cam held his own last year in a couple backup opportunities. He had passed for 73%, 174 yards, and some cleanup work last year as a backup. So he showed that he can at least take care of the ball, zero interceptions. And Johnson's scheme, the offensive coordinator, it relies on the mobility of the quarterback. It is a crucial aspect of his offense. You need to have the versatility and be able to run the ball when defenders crash on the tailback. You have to be able to run the read option. You have to be able to throw on the run, avoid sacks, have escapability. So whoever can do that more consistently in fall camp is likely to win the starting job. It sounds like Noah Kim kind of has the edge. But if it were me, and I know this program needs some help, I'd probably be looking to that young, highly touted redshirt freshman in Caden Hauser to have another true freshman four-star guy on the roster as well, but he'll likely need to learn the offense and the system and won't get much of a shot to start. So not sure overall how much upside the quarterback holds. You flip to the running back, you've got Jalen Berger back again this year. You've got Nathan Carter coming in from UConn. Those two will likely lead the way. Looking for Jalen to improve and also serve as that bruiser back, more of an every down type running back. Last year, he had 683 yards rushing, but it was a letdown from the high expectations that he had from Wisconsin, transferring in from Wisconsin. Uh, he had a ton of really good success in that COVID year and limited opportunities. And then last year, it was just not, not quite the same. Now, Nathan Carter is quite the opposite type of running back. He brings a lot of speed, a lot of elusiveness to pair with Berger. So maybe the ground game can get more effective, but it's still a question. You still got mainly the main features of like what we saw last year, except for Carter will be playing the Broussard role. You flip to wide receiver, and this is a great question. This is what gives Michigan State fans probably headaches moving forward because the Spartans are going to have to likely rely on two year two guys that haven't really gotten any experience on the field in Tyrell Henry and Antonio Gates Jr. Now, the reason they probably need to rely on them more is because they probably have some of the most talent on that wide receiver room for Michigan State, but you still got older guys like Trey Mosley, who's back as a redshirt senior. He's the only receiver left on the roster that made more than five receptions last year in 2022. And then there's Elante Brown coming in from Nebraska, but he had a whopping 191 yards last season and that being his best season of production. So my confidence in the receivers is very minimal. Now they've got two big body tight ends that can get the passing game involved, but that's Malik Carr, Jalen Franklin, Jalen Franklin coming in from Wisconsin. 
Jalen Franklin doesn't have a lot of production. Malik Carr had some production in 2021 where he had 200 yards and two touchdowns. Actually, that was last year, not 2021. But regardless, both of those tight ends are six foot five, 250 pounds. They've got the size and the build to be Big Ten tight ends, but can they produce? Now you flip to the O-line, and the O-line could be a strength for Michigan State. They were a top 35 unit in the nation in not allowing sacks. They've got three starters returning in Nick Samick, who was an 80.3 pass blocking grade, J.D. Duplain, who was an 83 overall pass blocking grade, and then Spencer Brown, who also started multiple games last year. And then they've got two rotational guys who got a lot of opportunities and snaps last year in Brandon Baldwin, who also started some games, and Geno Vandemark who was a 90.3 in the pass blocking grading on PFF. So they've got some guys who can really pass block very well, but will the skill positions of the wide receivers and the tight ends and the QB drop-off even allow this offensive line to thrive, or will they be kind of lost in the rest of it? I mean, overall, the offensive line is not too bad, but this offense does not put any fear into any team at all. Not just the Gophers, but I don't even think Northwestern would bat an eye at this type of team. Now, you flip to the defensive side of ball. Last year, they were 101st in total defense, 102nd in the nation in run defense, 87th in the pass defense, 76th in the scoring defense, and 118th in the nation in turnovers gained. Now, the passing defense did improve from 2021, where they were the absolute worst team, 130 of 130 in passing defense in 2021. They bumped it up to 87th, but that's still not anything to write home about. So the defense is suspect, to say the least. They do have some key defenders returning in Jacoby Winman, who has been touted over the years. He needs to stay healthy, but he does have an 80 PFF grade, which is very good. Cal Halliday is a linebacker starter returning. He had 850 snaps last year as a starter. Terrible coverage grade of a 42.8, but he brings a lot of experience to the linebacker room. Then you've got Jaden Mangham, who is the next man up at the safety position. Angelo Gross, who was coming back from injury last year, but was a decent starting safety. Very active in the run game, but another player who needs to stay healthy. Health was a big factor for the Michigan State defense last year. It wasn't the only reason the defense struggled, but it was a factor with the consistency. They lost players this offseason like Jacob Slade, Amari Speed, and Xavier Henderson to the NFL. So we'll see if Michigan State will be another bottom defensive team. If so, it's going to be a tough struggle to get any wins in 2023. But we're going to talk about what is the make or break for Michigan State when it comes to the Gophers game, how the Gophers need to take care of business. We're covering that to close the show coming up next. All right, think about this one. The excuse against Minnesota heading into this year and why people have concerns and why they can't win the West and blah, 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 is they have too many impactful departures. Mo, John Michael Schmitz, Tanner Morgan, too many departures and a hard schedule. Yeah, Michigan State plays in the East, so they're taking on Ohio State, a Michigan, a Penn State, and so their schedule is just as hard, and they probably are losing more production on both sides of the ball. When you're talking about Jacob Slade, Amari Speed, Xavier Henderson on the defensive side, you're talking about Peyton Thorne, the starting quarterback, all of your wide receivers basically, except for one or two that have any experience. Uh, a running back who is your second leading running back, two starters on the offensive line. There is so much lost, and they didn't really replace that talent 
They didn't really have any young guys that they had to fill the void or showed any promise in the year prior. So how are we not heavily, heavily concerned about the Michigan State Spartans and them struggling? Because that team is a team that struggled defensively with all of their players last year. And we haven't seen any experience from the quarterbacks to the wide receivers. So there's a reason their line is 5.5 wins on the Vegas markets. And I would take the under personally. So if there's concerns about Minnesota, who filled a lot of their concerning spots with people who have experience, they have younger players who have gotten onto the field and had starting experience to fill those major roles, then you should be even more worried about Michigan State, which is why Minnesota should absolutely take a dub at home versus Michigan State. The make or break for Minnesota versus Michigan State is simply keeping it simple. Don't try to do too much. Play your style of football and don't turn it over. The only way I can see Michigan State winning this game and walking away with a dub is if Minnesota Minnesota, Minnesota shoots itself in the foot. And they've done it before. That has happened before. Bowling Green. Heck, even Purdue last year. Mo Ibrahim was down with an injury, and then all of a sudden Minnesota was missing field goals, dropping touchdowns into turn interceptions, couldn't get anything going offensively, and Purdue capitalized. In a game that Minnesota absolutely should, should have won, Purdue capitalized. And in a, in a game, if Minnesota would have won with those current standings last year, Minnesota wins the West. Even with the struggles of the season, even with losses to Illinois and Penn State and Iowa, even with all of that, you win that Purdue game, you win the West last year. That's as simple as it is. So you can't do that here at home versus Michigan State. Have to play your game. Can't make the simple mistakes. Can't miss field goals. Can't turn the ball over. Just keep it simple, and you'll walk away with a W. Now, besides that, unless Michigan State turns into the Monstars of Minnesota should have a probable win at home, the strengths of Michigan State are really the unknown young players who could take a massive step up with larger opportunities, but I think that's wishful thinking overall. And then another strength is the offensive line. Those two things are really the key strengths for Michigan State, but the weaknesses are much stronger. The question mark at quarterback, the no real threatening skill positions when it comes to the wide receivers. Is anybody a threat out there? The poorest defense that has been ripped apart year after year in different facets and can't get away from being a 100 or higher defense in the nation and a tough schedule to build any confidence when you're playing dogs after dogs after dogs and you can't get if, – if they don't keep their games close – it is going to be a rough year for Michigan State. I'm talking four wins maybe, and Mel Tucker's seat could be very, very hot. That's going to do it for us today at Locked on Golden Gophers. I hope you enjoyed the show. Let me know what you think below. Let me know what you uh, are excited about when it comes to Gophers football heading into fall camp. This Saturday is the first open practice to fans, so definitely check that out. It'll be at Huntington Bank Stadium at 7 p.m., I believe. It's free to all fans. I hope to see you there. This is Kane Rob signing off. Row the boat, Skyuma, go Gophers, and as always, don't forget to subscribe.